All right, Heather, A through Z. I'm going with M. I know you got something for this. For M? I specifically picked it because I knew you'd have something for this. Think last names. Oh, no. In your specialty field of information you know about. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, This week, Danny Masterson was sentenced for the... uh, Rape convictions he got, uh, 30 years to life. Nice. Yep. And in more shocking news with that, lots of people from that 70s show wrote letters uh, to the judge to talk about what a good person he is. Uh, Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, uh, the woman that plays Kitty and the the guy that plays Red. Um, yeah, all wrote letters. And they're like, hey. But he was a good guy. He helped out firefighters after 9-11. Do you want to know what that actually entailed? Probably not, but yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, him and the Church of Scientology gave them free Scientology bullshit. That's how he helped out firefighters after 9-11. Mm. I mean, and here's the thing. Even if it was more than that or whatever, doing like one good thing does not negate the terrible thing, in my yeah. opinion. Well, yeah, at least not this terrible thing. Pulls, yeah, I don't care if he pulls somebody out of the rubble. If you raped five people before you pulled somebody out of a out of the rubble i mean i can't look the other way on the rapes I mean, do you, i'm sorry but i mean it just uh, doesn't work like that what about what giovanni rabisi of gone in 60 seconds fame uh what about him when he said but think about his daughter she won't have her dad if he's in jail does that does that sway you at all? It sways me on my opinion of Giovanni Berubisi. <laughs> no, it but it it doesn't because also like this is probably unfortunately in some way protecting his daughter in a way too by I mean, him to not me, being there. To me, my thing with it is is let's say he's not an even worse piece of shit than we already think he is. And let's just say he won't rape his daughter. Let's give him that benefit of the doubt, I suppose. But like, what about her friends? Like, I think that would still be a worry. Like, yeah, you know, or uh, any of her friends' moms or just any other woman that might be around. Like, yeah, her friends or her friends' moms. Yeah, exactly. Like, who knows? Yeah, it's just I hate that excuse. I know he murdered five people, but what about his kids? They won't have a father. Well, yeah. Neither will any of the, you know, fathers that he may have murdered. It's it's that logic. It's like, yes, like. Yeah. It, 
that doesn't sway me. And it didn't sway the judge. He got the maximum sentence, which is 30 years to life. And to be fair, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I just, I also don't like that logic of, but it's still the father. So he should still be around when it's like, "Mm, should he, is that really better? Having a father (laughs) around doesn't always mean they're going to benefit from that. Like, it's just a weird logic to say, but the father's at least there. Like, okay, what good is that going to do if he's a rapist? Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm sure there are situations where having no father is better than having a rapist father. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I imagine so. And, and I think that sometimes in a lot of these situations, when it's somebody that you know that has committed the crime or somebody that you're close to or a family member or something, I know that sometimes it can be difficult for people to process that or admit the truth in that, or there's all these mixed feelings that go into it, especially if you have like interactions with that person personally. So I get the mixed feelings, but I just don't feel like I would ever be a person. Like if I found out, like let's just say I found out my dad, who I have a good, a really good, a pretty good relationship. I would say, no, I would say it's good. I'd say it's better than good. I have a good relationship with my dad. Let's just say I found out that he, you know, he was convicted of all of this and stuff. I think even though it would be, hard in some respects I just feel like I would have to accept that he did it you know I would have to accept that the evidence and everything if I you know I would have to accept on some level that that is him and this is my life and it, but but and I think some people struggle with that like they don't or they just refuse, you know, yeah. I think you well, have to kind of make yourself, I, I think you have to understand and try and process as best you can the truth of that. But I feel like when you don't, you're running away from that truth. Of what I, happened. I agree. And the, the funny thing is, is I'd be slightly more understanding if they still just couldn't bring themselves to believe it. You know what I mean? If they were like, look, I still don't think that that he was even capable of that and all this other stuff. That almost to me would be slightly more reasonable than Mm. them being like, I completely understand that he has been found guilty and he probably did it. And I respect victims, but he's a good Mm -hmm. guy. Like, yeah, that's, that 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 I can't get with that. Like I mean, like I, said, then, I understand if you know, like I said, if they just don't believe it, even if that is just misguided because of the closeness of the relationship. I'm not saying that that's like you know got any merit to it. It's just that would be more understanding than being like, hey, you know, it really sucks for these victims, and I'm sorry, but you know, he gave me five bucks once. He's a stand up bro. Yeah. Give you the shirt off his back. 
I mean, it's that weird dichotomy too of like, he might maybe be the most amazing father in the sense of how he takes care of his daughter saying that, you know, he doesn't do things he shouldn't do. Both can be true. He can be a good father to his daughter, but also be this terrible person otherwise. You know what I mean? Like there's kind of that kind of like what you said, Jason, of even if he's, that's not what I saw of him and that's not how I grew up knowing him. I have to understand that this is the truth outside of me. This is also the truth of who he is as a person. Yes. And accept all of that, not just some of it, but I think people, most of the time, they just only want to accept one aspect of that person. Well, it's kind of like, you know, John Wayne Gacy for all accounts was a great KFC owner. He was fantastic at being a businessman. You know, I mean, he was also fantastic in the community, dressed up like a clown, went to children's hospitals, made the kids feel good. Also raped and murdered a ton of people. Like. Yeah. Still a big old bag of shit. Mm hmm. Uh, One funny thing out of this story is a lot of people for the longest time used to give Topher Grace a lot of bullshit. Because he left that 70s show in the last season. Uh, He really never associated much with the other people from that 70s show. Uh, Just kind of left and went and did his own thing. And everybody's like, look at him. He thinks he's better than everybody. He's just an asshole and all this other shit. And then, you know, turn around and now, you know, this whole incident happened. And a bunch of the cast members from that 70s show are like, Hey, be nice to Danny Masterson. And you know who didn't do all that? Topher Grace. He he just went on, on, on Instagram and was like, you know, I stand with victims. Fuck all this other bullshit. Like. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Go Topher Grace. I'm glad that I can actually appreciate him more. I was always a fan, but that makes me be like, good. I don't have to hate him now. That's lovely. <laughs> Uh, in other news, uh, surprisingly so, the Drew Barrymore show is coming back to make new episodes. And why that's new? Would this be a second season? Fourth. I don't know. Oh, fourth. Okay. Hmm. Uh, why that's big news is because her show employs WGA writers and they are coming back without their writers. And also saying, hey, we still support all these people striking. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. They're like, we're still not going to have people on to promote work. But still, either way, anytime you have an actor, musician, anybody, if they come on her show in the fourth season, they are officially, uh, what is it? Um, when you cross a picket line, uh, strike busters and they can be blacklisted regardless. So the mm-hmm. sheer fact of, even if it's like, I don't know, let's just say Adam Sandler. Cause you know, they're friends. Adam Sandler goes on the show, you know, just to talk, you know, not promoting any work, not doing any of that shit, just going on, talk about their kids, you know, talk about just bullshit. Right. That's picket crossing. 
to do that. So. That's really surprising then that they're mm. allowing this. It, yeah. It's just some bullshit. That's all it is. It, it To me, it might even come off as studio pressure. It almost could be even that the studio was like, if you don't come back, you're not coming back. Because of all those names of like those types of TV shows, she is kind of the lowest on the totem pole right now. Of those like daytime talk TV type of shows like that. Now, some daytime shows have still been going because they don't use WGA writers. You know, that's not, they are not, you know, doing anything wrong as far as the strike goes because that's not what they're doing. You know, like, what is it? Kelly and Mike or whatever the fuck her husband's name is. Like that show. That is not a show that uses WGA writers. So that's not against the strike to do that show or anything like that. Now, you still can't go in there and promote, you know, movies and TV shows, but, you know, they can do whatever really on that show. Uh, But, yes, this show is a WGA show. It's the same reason why, like, Kelly Clarkson's not on the air right now. Outside of the fact that there were some episodes, because of the way they do all this shit, there were episodes recorded that never aired. And so sometimes, yeah, they'll air those or they'll air reruns and shit like that. But outside of that, you know, that's not what they're doing. And so, yeah, Drew Barrymore really just being a fantastic person. Hmm. But but she turned down hosting the VMAs because she was like, to me, that is, or the, not the VMAs, maybe the MTV Movie Awards. She turned mm-hmm. so like she was the host of that and she stepped away from that to be in solidarity with the strike. But in this, and specifically when she's told you are going against the strike by doing this, she's like, I don't think I am. And other people are getting to come back to work, so it's worth it. That's the thing, is also any if any of those people are union, it's the same rules. They can't come back. They can't do this shit. You know what I mean? Uh, And so when the first episodes were being recorded uh, last week, late last week or early this week, uh, you know, WGA was outside the the studio picketing because she is intentionally going back without her writers because of this. And uh, so they were picketing. So some college kids that went, that won free tickets to go to the show didn't even realize it. But they received buttons. They were like, hey, like this is some strike shit. And went in the studio with those buttons on and they kicked them out. And Drew Barrymore was like, oh, we didn't know they did that. They can come back whenever they want. I don't think those kids will because they actually went outside when they got kicked out and joined the picket. So I really don't see those kids coming back anytime wow. soon. <laughs> wow. Um, and some other weird news. Vulture did a report this week about how it's somewhat easy to scam Rotten Tomato scores. So the specific instance in which they're talking about is the movie Ophelia with Daisy Ridley. 
Um, essentially, it was a Sundance film. It was released in Europe. And when that movie came out, or when its first reviews came out, it had kind of had a bad score. So this PR firm went to a bunch of the lower-end Rotten Tomatoes reviewers and essentially gave them 50 bucks and a copy of the movie and was like, hey, review this movie. Um, in doing so, the reviewers either released a positive version of the review or if they had a negative one, they wouldn't release it on their main site. They'd actually create a blog and go post it there so that Rotten Tomatoes wouldn't take it as an official review. All because they received 50 bucks. And in doing so, it raised the Rotten Tomato score from like a 51 to a 63. Which isn't, you know, certified fresh, but it's a fresh review. It's positive, at least. Yeah, it's positive. And in doing so, after it became a positively reviewed movie, the movie got distribution rights in the United States. The company paid a couple million dollars to distribute the movie in the United States. So not only does it game Rotten Tomatoes, it also games the system to say, hey, this movie's good. You should release it in America. So they gamed a distribution company too in doing so. Wow. I want to be big enough someday to where they attempt to bribe me. With $50, too. Yeah, with 50 bucks. <laughs> and I think that that's the best thing about what we do. Is we do this shit for free right now. 50 bucks ain't going to sway shit for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd much rather take no money and just thrash a movie. That's more fun. Like... I'm also the type of person where if they did that, I'd read the email on like on air. Like this yep. is what they attempted to do. And then I'd, I'd feign being offended that my opinion's only worth $50. I've at least got a $72 opinion. But yeah. So rotten tomatoes might be just a bunch of bullshit. We don't even know. Yeah. Who knows how many times that has been done. That's crazy. Also, why are they doing that for a random fucking movie like that, but DC won't even try to do that with Black Adam? Like, come on. Right. Like, and how many reviewers do you really got to pay 50 bucks to? Even if you do it to like 200 reviewers, that's what, $10,000? That's not right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. $10,000 in a movie's marketing budget ain't shit. Get that, like, you know, get that, that, that fresh, that fresh tomato. But yeah. I just, I still can't believe people are selling their opinion. Like people that are good enough or serious enough or whatever to be considered by Rotten Tomatoes and their opinion can be swayed by 50 fucking dollars so much so that they're like, man, this is a bad review. I'm just going to release it on Tumblr or whatever instead. 
Like, come on. Like, why even release right. it then? Like, if you're going to do that, what's the point of releasing it? Yeah. Just so you can act like you have integrity? Yeah, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Fucking shameless. Just like the movie we're going to talk about tonight. King of the Segway. Yeah, that was top tier. Here's the the other half of my Segway. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we're going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the, I guess, newly released movie, The Nun 2. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in both audio and video formats. And with all that, with their first spoiler-free opinion of the night, I will go first. Fuck this movie. Hold on, hold on. Gasp. I want to I want to get I want to get positioned better so I can look directly in the camera. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Oh, Justin, what about you? Yeah, well, how can I possibly follow that? Uh, so we're back with more fun with the nun. Uh, man, I mean, I can't believe this even got a sequel. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just never cared enough of it. I just thought the first one was so bad. And I just never cared about this at all. It always just, the nun always just felt like it was better as just a random occurrence in a better Conjuring movie. And I just thought that that's where the nun would stay. Because the nun's first appearance was in the second Conjuring, right? Wasn't it the wife and she was in a hallway or something and... There was a picture of the nun, and then she looks away, and then the nun is in her face like, I'm the nun. Wasn't that the first appearance? Sure. Of the nun? It was in uh, Conjuring 2, right? Yeah, and so, it was. Yeah, and, and at the time, I was like, oh, man. Wow, that was a nun. Okay. And I can't believe that that turned into a thing, and then we had to have a movie? I don't know. I don't know if that was part of their phases. I don't know if they marveled this shit up or if this was just some shit of, you know what? Let's just make something about that and slap the conjuring name on it and we know people will come. I, I I don't know if this was a plan or if if this was just after the fact because people reacted to the nun's first appearance. But in any event, 
I just never understood the appeal of this character. And and this movie, The Nun, too, I, I will say this. I will be fair, and because I have just this uncontrollable thing about me to try to <laughs> really dissect a movie and look at the good and bad and everything like that, I, sometimes to a fault. Sometimes I wish I could just <laughs> throw it down like Sterling, but that is not me. Uh I mean, is it better than the the first movie? Yes, it is marginally better. It looks better. the 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 story is a little bit better than the than the first movie. Um, I guess you could say the spe- the the special effects are better. I mean, I guess. Um, the 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 acting is about the same as the other movie, but. But for and when I say better, just understand that I really, really mean marginally like better as in maybe it should be because we've had a lot of time to think about this. We've had a lot of time since the last release. So, of course, the special effects should be better. Of course, the actors and actresses should be more comfortable with each other. They came back. Of course, you know, there are certain things that just should naturally be the case. And so if you can call that a win, I guess that's a win uh, for this movie. But honestly, it feels a lot like the first movie in its plot. Uh, You know, when you look at it, you know, just the external parts of it, a lot of it is the same. Um, I just don't understand what the appeal of this character is. And half the time, I don't understand what the character is doing. I don't understand what the nun is doing or the purpose of what the nun is doing outside of just scaring people. (laughs) Sometimes it just seems like the only thing the nun is doing is just scaring people. I mean, why not just kill them? Why not just levitate them and burn them? Why not? I don't know. The, The nun is just very selective about when the nun wants to nun people. And when the nun wants to just scare people, you know what I mean? And I don't get that. I still don't understand the methodology of the nun. So, yeah, man, nothing about this was very enjoyable. It, it really is a bore. Um, nothing about the story was fun or interesting. It just kind of goes and then it it starts. It sets up a few things. It uses the same scare tactic with the nun over and over again. She's there, and then she's not there, and then you look over here, and then the nun is there. None, you see me. None, you don't. I mean, it's just the same thing over and over again, with except we're just on, in a different set. We're at a different place, but the nun techniques are the same. So I don't know, man. Again, I don't know how we got to us. This is one of those. It's mind boggling how we got a second movie. And if this is all you're going to do with a second movie, like. What is the point? And Um, the last thing I'll say, oh, go ahead. If you want to know why this movie got made, I can actually tell you. Um, The first nun was made with a budget of twenty two million dollars. 
and it grossed three hundred sixty-five million. That's oh, what we got God, the God, it did that well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, that explains it. Yeah, people were psyched about that movie. Why do people like this? Why do they like it? I mean, I went back and watched that first movie, and I was like, ugh, it, it, it was such a chore to get through. Like, I don't understand what the appeal of this is, other than it's a nun? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand why people but it's like a this. Normally, I can... Justin, it's, it's, it's contradictions. It's I edgy. guess so. Yeah, it's edgy, because you got the nun... Doing bad, you know, the big bad nun, you know. Um, I will say that uh, there was one entertaining part of it, and I don't care. It's kind of a spoiler, but I don't care. The nun grows to a big giant size, and I was just in my head amusing myself, coming up with names for the big nun, (laughs) like Super Meek or Big Nunisher. Um. (laughs) So I'm just constantly coming up with names, laughing to myself. And I bet the people next to me were like, what the fuck is he laughing? <laughs> but that was why. What is he doing? I was just coming up with names, you know, Army of None. I don't know. I just was, whatever I could come up with in my head was more interesting than what was happening. So, yeah, I entertained myself thoroughly uh, when that happened. Uh, Heather, what about you? I mean, I think the, the the problem with this, or I guess in my humble opinion, is they should have left the nun in just The Conjuring 2 and not done anything past that. Because I somewhat, I mean, I, I, I liked The Conjuring 2 and I liked what they did with the nun in that. Um, but it, she wasn't compelling enough for you to want to see origins about her or whatever, because also you know how that kind of ends. <laughs> you you know how she's defeated if you've seen The Conjuring 2. So it kind of felt like a pointless sort of thing just so that they could like make more movies in this universe, you know? But it it just... And that was the appeal, and I think that's what the, the whole thing was with people wanting to go see this. the original movie was, oh, she was so creepy in The Conjuring 2, and oh, that looks like it's going to be so good and so scary and all this stuff. And that was the appeal of it, but it's like, you got to give more substance to this if you're going to make these, like, origin stories, and two of them, two, two like, pre, pre-origin pre stories of who this is, which maybe it's just me. I still don't really fully know who she's supposed to be and why we should care. Like, you know what I mean? Like you do two stories about this and you're not actually telling me much of who she actually is other than just like, oh yeah, took the form of a nun and, and killed people or whatever it was. She, I don't even remember to be honest, which is really sad. It's really, really sad because I don't think that they cared enough about her backstory. They just cared enough to be like, let's do a setting where she would fit into it so that it can be scary and we can do a lot of jump scares. You know what I mean? Like, which, I mean, I, I think that this was probably one of the most underwhelming horror movies that I've ever seen because I am somebody who pretty easily get gets caught by jump scares. You know what I mean? Like, jump scares get me. 
there there was zero times when a jump scare got me in this movie. And I'm like, that is an impressive task if you can't get me to jump at something that you do in a movie. Like, I'm not saying I'm the worst with it or I'm like super dramatic about it, but loud noises that I don't expect catch me off guard, I'll jump. But nothing that they did in this movie made me jump because either one, it wasn't built up enough for me to like be scared by it or you knew it was coming because it was in the trailer. And this movie was really bad about doing the best parts of the movie in the trailer. Um, And that was kind of its downfall as well. But I mean, I think really the problem is, I think it suffers from the same thing that the, uh, the last voyage of the Demeter did with not actually building any sort of tension. And they really thought they did, (laughs) but they didn't. There was like no tension. It was like, you feel like they're just going from scene to scene, just cutting between different things, just happening on screen. And I just, I, I'm honestly like, I don't really know what story they were trying to tell with this movie. Like, was it about the nun? Was it about Maurice? Was it about Irene? Or who was this about? And, and why? <laughs> like, I don't know what they were going for. Like, I don't, and because of that, I feel like you don't care enough about any of these characters to care whether they live or die or what's going to happen to them. And this is a second movie with most of them. And I feel like that's really sad. (laughs) Like, I don't know what they were doing. I mean, I guess I was going back and forth about this with like, is this better than the first nun? And I don't, I don't think I could say it's better than it. I didn't rewatch the first one. And I probably should have, but I guess maybe because there's more people to kind of spread around what the movie's about, even though that's also its downfall, I feel like there's more interesting characters in this one than the first one because there's more characters, you know, and and maybe that's a little bit why I could see people liking this more, but it's also just very pointless to even have any of these other characters, you know, like you brought in Storm Reed. I love Storm Reed. I think she's great. She was very pointless in this movie, in my opinion. She added something to it better than most other people did, but she was still pointless. <laughs> and if, you're, if I'm saying that about her, imagine how pointless I feel most of these other characters were. But it's just, they really thought they had something with this and they didn't. And that that's the problem with it. Like they, they were banking on like, oh, we're going to be bigger and better and more creative like jump scares with this nun and they didn't, they didn't do that. So I, I was not a fan. Um, didn't I, and it, obviously I wasn't a fan of the first nun movie either, but yeah, I just, the fact that I just throughout this movie was waiting for a moment to happen when I was actually going to be like feel, feeling some sort of tension or feeling like, Oh no, what's about to happen. I'm about to get scared. And I just never had that feeling at all in this movie. Um, And I also unfortunately think that Thaisa Formiga, who is the lead in this movie, was not good. (laughs) I feel like she sounded very cartoonish with everything that she was saying in this movie, Um, which is weird. Like, I mean, I've seen her do other things and she's good. But in this movie, 
every line she said felt very forced and very like she was talking out of like a cartoon. So that was also a problem that was a little off putting. So yeah, I, I was not a fan. Um, definitely more problems than not. And also I think all problems, <laughs> like I'm trying to think if there's even a, a win in this movie and I don't really think there is. So yeah. Recommendations and scores. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. I mean, I'm not going to recommend this, but something that a friend of mine was talking about earlier was if you have a streaming service that you're already paying for and it comes on there and you have absolutely nothing else to do with your time, give it a go, I guess. <laughs> I was like, you know what? If you're just really somebody who you're going to watch this no matter what, that's the, that's the recommendation I give you for sure. But I don't recommend it. I don't think there's a point in it. I think it's, um, it doesn't really add anything to any other story with the nun involved. It doesn't really add anything to your horror cue of, you know, this is a scary movie that's going to really get you. It doesn't need to really be on your list of watches every year. Um, it's not a very cohesive story. Um, it feels like it doesn't really have a direction in what it's trying to tell you with this movie. And on top of that, everything is predictable as far as what they're trying to do to scare you. Therefore, nothing is actually scary. So they kind of fail on story front and on scary front. Um, so no, I don't recommend it. Um, there was a couple of performances that I didn't hate in this. Um, for that, I will give, <laughs> I will give three points for just the three performances I didn't hate <laughs> out of a hundred. Did you say three or 30? Three. Big three. All right, Justin, go. Man, that's not too many points. Um, I was <laughs> Tell trying me to this think. Is so bad. <laughs> it's not very many. I mean, you could have given it that's out of 100 points. He gave it three. All right. Um, <laughs> man, that's low. What's happened right. to me? What has happened to me? I mean, damn, you gave it three big ones. All right. Um, <laughs> so I was trying to think of how many, like, are there any situational recommendations I could give it? And the answer is none. So I guess it's none for the none here. I was about to ask <laughs> if that pun was intended. I was too. <laughs> yeah. None for the none. Uh I just, I think, like you said, like, I could, I don't know how anybody would buy this or want to purchase this with any sort of anticipation. I'm happy that we caught this before it got to streaming so Sterling didn't have to purchase it. I'm glad we at least saved him from this one. So I feel like in that way we did our due diligence. Yeah, it just... uh I mean, 
It's just not fun. And I think I'm done with the nun. So, you know what, Heather? This hardly ever Yeah, happens. tell me so a better going, score you'd give this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. So I'm going lower than you. I'm going two. Okay, so you're like, man, that's just not a lot of points. And then you went lower? <laughs> that was a good mislead. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's going to get two two big nuns drenched in Jesus blood out of a hundred so you guys are sitting here talking about like what conditions would you recommend this movie or anything like that and my recommendation with this movie is whatever streaming service it does come out on cancel it (laughs) that's yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) damn just get rid of that streaming service they don't have your best interests at heart (laughs) and I think it's funny you guys are like oh man our scores are so low you guys are just giving away points fucking willy nilly over there I mean I am I am aghast by just the sheer generosity that you two have with points for this movie. I was, I I thought you might be actually proud of how low I went for this and it's still too much. (laughs) I mean, yeah, me too. I can explain my two. I can explain my little two. I mean, you guys are acting like you're millionaires in an Atlanta strip club with the amount of money or points you're throwing around. Um, I'm going to give this. Let me get my calculator ready. because This is going to be a tough one. Oh, I'm going to give this movie a negative. 666. <laughs> uh, Nuns doing nun shit out of a hundred. <laughs> the fact that even pray for the devil we liked more than this is something. Yeah. Like weirdly enough, pray for the devil is a better nun movie than, than either one of the nuns. Mm-hmm. It's honestly, yeah. that's true though. That's true. Even Anne yeah, Wick at and, the end was better than this. And, and and I was about to say the Pope's exorcist is probably a better version of this story. Like with the the demon, we got a family, we gotta get a thing, we gotta I mean, it's it's almost this story, you know. Why is this movie weirdly like a like convent version of a Resident Evil game? Where you've gotta go get this key to open this to get this to get that to beat the nun? What the fuck is this? Like, why are there fetch quests in a nun movie? I know. Uh, Cinescore negative 220. Nice. Nice. I'm proud of us, guys. 
spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. I'm going to start spoilers a little different today. Uh, Justin and and every listener out there that is a person of color, I'd like to apologize to you for us having watched this movie and talking about it now. Because it is tantamount to uh, more essentially making you watch this. Uh, is essentially a hate crime. And I do apologize for that. Because if there was ever a movie of just nonstop white people bullshit, it's this movie. (laughs) This is a 1950s version of a white person problem horror film. I mean, and I, you know, you want to give it credit for trying to have some diversity in the cast, but like they still went straight up like, hey guys, we've got a black person, but don't worry. This movie is just some whiteness happening the (laughs) whole fucking time. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of the conjuring universe as a whole. I made that very clear. Uh, when we did the, uh, was it the conjuring three, uh, the devil rings the doorbell, whatever the fuck the movie's called. Yeah, yeah that's close it, enough. Yeah. Which this movie weirdly tries to tie into the, the mid credit scene of this movie is a scene from the conjuring three. But why? A movie that came out like what, two, three years ago, whatever the fuck it was. And they went, oh, we need to tie into that movie, which also I, 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 I don't understand because even within the timeline of the Conjuring universe, this movie and that movie are 25 years apart. Why are you trying to tie them together? If you go into the chronological order of the Conjuring universe, the the oldest movies timeline-wise are The Nun, then it's Annabelle Creation, then The Nun 2. So why are you tying this to anything? And then, let alone tying it to the movie that chronologically takes place last. Yep, that's true. That's how nonsensical this bullshit is. Well, but also, and like, if I'm not mistaken, in the first Conjuring movie, they're in the classroom and they're showing that video of the the possessed guy that caused her to be traumatized, right? For a little bit and not do her um, clairvoyant thing that she was doing. Wasn't that supposed to be the Maurice that that was? Probably. So basically that essentially the first Conjuring movie took place after all of this. Yeah. So why is this second one, which I don't remember the timeline difference between the first and second none, but it would have been, yeah, four years. Yeah. So this would have 
all both of these movies would have been predating the first Conjuring movie. Yeah, so it doesn't make sense at all. And then if I'm on, remembering right. And then on top of that, I think we established that the nun character appears in The Conjuring 2, which takes place in the mid to late 70s. Yep. She got beat in this movie. Why yeah. is she showing up? Correct. At least yeah. the first nun makes sense in this universe. Yeah. As much as it's a bunch of bullshit, it at least <laughs> tangentially yeah. ties into this stuff somewhat. Way better. Yeah. Yeah. The ending of the first nun with Maurice being possessed by the nun and those would be flashbacks. But according to this movie, the Warrens never face the nun because Maurice is cured and the nun is just dead as fuck. Yep. Yeah. So how? Yeah. But I was confused as hell. Going back to what you said, though, in your spoiler free review, Justin, I can't agree anymore about the whole uh, weird power imbalance when it comes to the nun's powers. Why at the beginning of the movie can she just take a priest, stigmata him in the air, and just make him spontaneously combust? Yeah. Easily. A priest. Easily. And she has trouble with little girls. She, she can't kill a single one. She went on this murder tour of Europe, just killing people, just killing all kinds of nuns and priests, but some, those rascally children just couldn't, couldn't nun them at all. Although I will say this, it was kind of funny when she, I don't know, kind of made a a weird demon goat that impaled a girl through a door. That was kind of funny. Man, I was sitting there whenever they were like, it'll take the form of the goat. I was thinking, well, if if the nun becomes Michael Jordan to Tom Brady, these kids are dead, you know. Dude, if I was hoping this, it would have been the if goat. This, <laughs> if that nun turned into Tom Brady, it would just be throwing <laughs> nun curses at all those little girls' faces and they'd be dead. All of them. All, all of them be dead. That. I wanted the goat. I wanted the real goat, but it's okay. But I was just sitting there. Wouldn't See, it be that, hilarious? That's how bad this movie sucks. Like, I was just sitting there going, what if it was Tom Brady? <laughs> like, I'm just. What if it turned into I'm Muhammad just... Ali and it was just uppercutting little girls? <laughs> now that would be a movie. <laughs> I think Sterling would absolutely love that movie. (laughs) And him talking shit, but sounded all ghoulish and shit. Would have been 100 out of 100. If Muhammad Ali showed up, uppercutting little girls, 100 out of 100. takes the form of a goat. What is that? Is that a goat? No, it's the goat. Muhammad Ali. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. bee. (laughs) I mean, I'm... Not to be a contrarian or controversial on this podcast. I don't even consider Michael Jordan the GOAT. Uh, I, I think it's Kareem. Uh, okay. I'm, I don't think I'm crazy. I just think Kareem slept on. But even without that hot take, if Michael Jordan was just 
slamming these little girls' faces like it was a ball. Oh, <laughs> sign me up. I know. Like, just missed grabbing the, man. grabbing the, the white nun by the face and just slam dunking her through the bell tower. Oh, cinema classic. Exactly. Oh, with his, oh, he could be sticking out a demon tongue while he does it. Oh man. I'd be buying Jordans today. If that was the case. But imagine a three-headed goat monster that was that was Jordan Brady. Like, what could you possibly do to a monster that was like... Yeah, Jordan Brady and Ali. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Dude, you try running you would away. Just die. You'd just be dead. You try running away. It fucking just chases you down, grabs you by the head, dribbles your, your whole body, lifts you up, punches you. And as you fly away, it just throws a fireball that just combusts you. All <laughs> while talking shit the whole time. The whole time. Oh, man. Let's fucking go. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it would be saying all that. It would be, t- I mean, that would be horrible. That would just be the worst. So, yeah. But it'd be the best movie. <laughs> like, yes, it would. Yes, it would. would, I think it would be the greatest movie of all time. But also to show you how much uh, this franchise once again loves to just use uh, like mainstream satanic imagery. Roughly, when that cathedral or whatever that building was was built, and all this other stuff, uh, goats wouldn't have had really any tie to Satanism. That's a fairly modern thing. The first instance. The first mainstream instance of goats being tied to Satanism is a, a painting called The Witch's Sabbath, which is like some maidens dancing around a goat. Um, and that was in the late 1700s. Um, most places like that were built well before that. And, you know, don't have satanic. Inter- like I said, the goats and Satanism is a fairly modern thing. Uh there are some loose ties to it because there is a passage in the Bible that says, uh, more or less says something along the lines of goats, goats will be cast into hell and lambs will be saved. Um, but it's more of a metaphor. It's not really talking about goats as yeah, much as it's talking goats. about like lambs are, you know, innocent and protected and goats are stubborn and shitty. Like it's, the the whole allegory of like the followers of Christ are lambs that sh- you know it's it's more ties to that but you know that's about the closest you can get to a, an ancient version of it cuz even the whole idea of satan being tied to a goat comes from the imagery of of uh, baphomet and even then i think the earliest depiction of a painting or anything of baphomet I want to say was in the 1800s, you know? So it is, once again, they're just taking modern satanic imagery and modern Satanism, like scare tactics and applying it to anything in the past, you know, just blanketly because, you know, God forbid they want to actually, I don't know, do anything remotely accurate to shit. But, you know, it, 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 there's things like that. I mean, 
the nun, I, I agree with you, Heather. The the coolest shot they could have saved for the fucking movie was that whole thing when she's like running down the alleyway and comes across the the wall of pictures. Yep. And it becomes a nun. Yeah. If you um, didn't see that in the trailers, that would have been cool. Oh yeah. That, yeah. I, I mean, if if they hadn't shown that in the trailers and it was fresh in the movie, I'd have been like, Oh damn, that's the one good thing in this movie. And they went and showed it in every single trailer they made for this movie. They couldn't do a promotional material, a commercial, a 10 second TV spot, nothing without showing that damn spot. And I'm just like, why? But why? Like, and they weirdly try to add lore to shit that is just so clunky. So originally when I first saw the movie, my timeline was wrong. For whatever reason, I thought they were trying to say this movie was in the 1800s. And I know it wasn't because they even said in World War II, like the school got blown up and shit. And I was like, I don't know why. I still wanted to, in my head, think it was in the 1800s. So I thought maybe they were trying to say that the good nun in this was related to you know, homegirl from the fucking Conjury movies. And I know in mm-hmm. real life they are, but I'm just saying like in the universe they were, and they were also related to that. I don't know that one, the blind Saint, Saint Lucy or Lucia or whatever her name was. Yeah. That they were trying, yeah. trying to say that they were related to her because she had visions and that's why she did this shit. But then they were also implying that the nun was that lady. Like they heavily implied it because they had the, the name like, or they had the eyeballs of, you know, St. Blindness and she got those and her eyes started to glow. And that's when she became, you know, what's a good name for the mega nun, Justin? Super Saiyan nun, super Saiyan nun, super Saiyan. (laughs) That's a good one, Heather. You're welcome. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, so they were implying that the nun was her or did the nun just get extra powers from getting a saint's eyes? It's one of the two. Neither one of them really work, but they don't really say. But yeah, because to me, I interpreted that as, oh, that's how we got the nun, you know, because like you said, you see the eyes stabbed and then the, the person is there and then the eyes light up and it looks like that was... It looked, it appeared as if that was the creation of the nun. Yeah. So killing that lady made her the nun. But they also sanctified her. So she was in this movie universe. She is a documented saint of, of the Catholic church. But she's also a demonic spirit killing everybody. Like that's really weird. Yeah, how does that make sense? But also, like, I understand that the Catholic Church probably keeps a lot of things like body parts and whatnots from people they they saint or make saints and all this other shit. None of that surprises me. But what does kind of surprise me is the fact that they the Catholic Church killed this woman as a heretic and then made her a saint later but they martyred her. Why would they keep her eyeballs? 
because she wasn't being, she wasn't considered holy at the time. She's killed as a heretic or a witch, however you want to look at it. They wouldn't have kept her eyeballs to then go, oh, fuck. We made her a saint now. Hope we have her eyes still. Like, that makes no sense. That doesn't track. So, I don't know what this movie is trying to even say. All this movie does is come in and break the paper-thin continuity that the Conjuring universe has. And I don't even know why. Because this movie doesn't actually do anything. The fact that you two have said that this movie is different than the first nun blows my mind. Because I could have sworn I saw the same movie again. And I don't know why. They did nothing to, to, to further anything. Outside of furthering, a, I guess they're hoping their bank accounts. Because Warner Brothers ain't doing good right now. Outside of Barbie, they ain't doing good. So, I think they're hoping for another, you know, 200 and, or $320 million surplus off this movie. And I don't even think this movie is good enough to do that. Well, obviously, I don't think this movie is good enough. I don't even think fans of these movies will think this is good enough. I know a few people have said it's better than the first one. But, I mean, (laughs) Justin, what, you gave this movie a two? You're implying that the first movie is a one. I mean, like. God, he is, though. Yeah, right. (laughs) God, he is, though. I mean, think about it. If I use that logic. The Nun 1 is a minimum a negative 667 or worse. (laughs) I personally don't think there's an actual difference in the movies and they probably have the same score. Um, Well, to kind of to your point, though, too, Sterling, like she was supposedly a saint, right? St. Lucy or whatever her name was. Um, But then also in The Conjuring 2, she had like a demon name that they had to call her. Which, yeah, well, that's the thing is that's what they called the nun. So they knew the nun was a demon. Yeah. But like I said, this movie implies that she's a saint. Yeah. So that's, it is confusing because you're just like, it takes away any of the like, any of the things that they did with her in the first time she appeared is just completely erased and obsolete because of this. And this is not a better story. Like, that's why I think they absolutely should have just left it at, keeping her in that conjuring Two movie and being done with her because then you're not overdoing it. And the impact that she had in this universe was a lot better because she went out on the note she went out on, but she, she did her creepy thing in that movie. And the, the, the scariest that she ever was, was in that movie. The most villainous she ever was, was in that movie. Uh, the most interesting she was, was in that movie. So yeah, I just feel like, you're erasing all of the interesting things he did with her initially. So they're saying that uh, it, the, the, the demon that was the nun is valid. Yeah. And you're right, Heather. I do vaguely remember that in the conjuring too. That was a big deal that they were like, your name is Valak. And it's like, Oh no. You, yeah, you had to like call her by her name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, like I said, so it's it's either implying that when Valak gets Saint eyeballs, it's more powerful. But or that I don't know. Or this saint is actually Valak or was possessed by Valak or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm I'm not super versed in this, but like, can a saint be a demon at the same time and vice versa? Like, you would hope that if somebody is sanctified, <laughs> that they are not also so weak within their faith that they can be possessed. Exactly. That's why I'm like, you're contradicting yourself by doing this story. What is this? Yeah, and they did say Valak in the first nun also. So I do remember that. So were we supposed to interpret the vision that was in this as that was just like Valak showing the story of the saint? And was that supposed to be some sort of, I guess, symbolic way of saying that Valak wanted the eyes? Is that what that was? Whenever the eyes were cut out and then you see like the 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 saint, but then the eyes light up and it's and she gives an evil face. Was that Valak's desire to have her eyes? But they are two different people. Maybe. You know what I mean? So the That's saint was point. the saint. Maybe. They took her eyes. Valak is over here nunning and shit, but was like I want them eyes, though. Maybe, so. like, I don't know. Maybe. I went to Jeepers Creepers this. Yeah, it's it's either that or maybe, I don't know, the eyes are like a weird fucking mushroom power-up for her. Like, she did get the eyes and get bigger. Like, I... Mm-hmm. Sure, but still, like, that is so fucking dumb. Like, isn't that the <laughs> point of a holy relic? That, like, it would hurt demons, you know what I mean? Like, because doesn't she use the blood of Christ on Valak in the first movie? Mm-hmm. So why would another holy relic make her more powerful, That or make Valak more powerful? What the fuck does that mean? Well, when St. Irene had it in her hand, it hurt. It hurt Valak, but then when Valak had it in his hand, it was, it made him... You know, super say none, super meek. So, I mean, why would it hurt him with this person but help him when he had it in his hand? I didn't understand that either. One second he was getting hurt by it. Then when Valet got it, the nun got it, then he was like, all right, I'm powerful, but... It just depended on whose hand it was in. Like, I'm not making that up, right? Y'all saw that, right? Like, the the good nun had it, and it was hurting him. You know, she was oh, she, yeah. she was shined it on. She did yeah, the, the Power Rangers tour. Yeah, yeah. Huh, yeah, it was like the Power Rangers, and it was hurting him. Then, but when Valet got it, it was like, oh, I'm all powerful. I didn't understand that either. I, I didn't understand how you control this thing. How could it hurt but help it? I didn't understand shit, guys. I was confused. See, I'm reading this whole description of it. 
But okay. Yeah, I was trying to read something too. Go so ahead. they were saying that the power of Saint Lucy's eyes did help them beat her. But I, I'm like, I don't remember that being a thing at the end of the movie because Valak had the eyes. They're also trying to say that because of the first Conjuring movie and because of the the nun, that she's not at, Valak's not actually beat in this movie, and is just lying dormant in Frenchie and will come out later. Okay, then it's still not what very the clear. Fuck is the point of this movie then? Yeah. Oh. You were literally ending at the same point you ended the last fucking movie right. at. Yeah, that exactly. makes it worse, honestly. Yeah, that <laughs> makes it so much worse. I mean, and like I'm I'm reading this thing too and it's saying that um Lucy was a saint whose eyes were gouged out by her executioners after they discovered um that she wouldn't burn when set on fire. Valak, who's a former angel, rejected by God, has been murdering Lucy's descendants in order to claim her eyes. Um, or in order to claim the eyes, a uh, holy power for itself. So maybe Valak wasn't Lucy, okay. but wanted the eyes. Okay, that's fair. Lucy. So Valak's not St. Lucy, but just wants the eyes. Right. But also, why do they need to, why, why does she need to kill the descendants to get the eyes that are just in a box? Just go get the box. Like you, you, this isn't a Highlander situation. You don't have to kill all the descendants to get the power of the eyes. The eyes are just in a box. Just go get those. <laughs> Maybe because they were in like a holy church, Valak couldn't get in or something. I don't know if that's what they were going for, but, but Valak's been running around churches this whole fucking this movie. Is tr- <laughs> like, <laughs> that's true. That's all Through Maurice does. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's what I didn't understand either because they tried to act like, well, Valak needs Maurice and that's the reason why he was there because he was trying to use Maurice to find the eyes. But why? Well, why did you need to possess him and have him over there walking around looking? I I just didn't understand anything. Why couldn't Valak just look in nun form? I, I don't. I just don't understand. Well, okay, let's say he needs the corporeal form of a person to do that. Then why don't we see Maurice looking for eyes the whole movie? He ain't exactly. doing shit. Yeah. Yep. There He's was, just walking around and doing, you know, doing snap, crackle, pop dances stuff. and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> but you he know, would do that staring was... at a wall. He wasn't even like looking around nothing, just staring at a wall going, <laughs> like what? But also <laughs> yeah. like, why why is it that and that was the thing too sorry to step on on your your time but like what i mean why was maurice so thrown off by seeing the nun when technically the nun was possessing him right well see that's the whole thing is it's like the nun can make its own form but to physically do something it needs maurice but then also there are times when the nun just grabs people and makes other people mm-hmm. like it made that one headmaster lady come back um, yeah. It made the whole okay. goat form that stabbed a girl. Yeah. It can do all that, but still needs Maurice to do shit. Yeah. Like, I, I, true. Yeah. Because it's like, if they were trying to use Maurice as a, as an in with, you know, the, the teacher lady and her daughter, 
that would make sense, but they didn't need him to be an in for them specifically for her to get what she needed. So it didn't really make sense. And I don't know, maybe I stopped paying attention at some point, which is true. Where were the eyes in the, the, the school? They were buried under someplace, I think in like the, I don't know if it was an attic or something, but they were buried somewhere at, at the school. Yeah. And the secret was you had to shine a light on the goat eye and the goat right, eye to, to see where it was located. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Where it was buried. So they were like, look, the goat, you know, Tom Brady's telling us where it is. And so then <laughs> that's how with they his dug golden it up eye. And there it was. So, yeah. So once again, why wasn't Maurice <laughs> digging up fucking holes all over the fucking church? Like, or, I don't right? know. Like I if they would have made that scene where you see him in the garden or whatever he was doing outside the window. What if he was at that point possessed and he's just like going through the garden, like digging for stuff that would have made more sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like why didn't they just randomly find him walking around? I mean, like, what are you doing? And he'd be like, I, I don't even know. Like something like that. Like, yeah. Like seeing the little girl snaps him out of it. So he's just like, oh, I don't know what I was doing. And then he goes back to being normal or something. He's you know? just never looking for shit. But he's the, supposedly knows the eyes are there. So he's just like, once the eyes are found, he's like, now my plan's complete. Like, the, what's the point <laughs> of fucking Maurice? Like at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and one thing I will give the first movie is that the now one thing I will say about the first movie is that the dynamic between Maurice and Irene in the first movie, that dynamic is better. And then that priest that was with them, the three of them together, that was probably a better character dynamic than what we got in here. Splitting them up and having them with these two with these other characters didn't really work for me. You know, I do think the first yeah. movie's better in that way. That's the one point I'll give the first movie over this one. Well, like, there was no point in the little girl. There's no point in the mother teacher. There's no point in having that weird love interest storyline with them two and, or with, yeah, like the father daughter relationship with Maurice and then the I want to fuck you relationship with what's her name from Chronicles of Narnia. Like, none of that fucking mattered a single fucking bit like it's just this whole movie went hey how can we figure out how to waste one hour and 55 minutes of your time like <laughs> how much can we disrespect you as a human being in this <laughs> amount of time with how little we actually care about anything we are doing in this movie And Heather, you said you were interrupting my time. I, I don't give a fuck about this movie enough to actually care about that. <laughs> this is all our time. Uh, yeah. Because fuck <laughs> this movie. Yeah. I mean, and the interesting thing with it is too is like, I actually, in my opinion, Maurice's performance was one of the better things of the movie. Not saying that his character necessarily made sense, but I think given whatever they gave him to do in this movie, I definitely think he was one of the better parts of it. Like I think his performance as a possessed person and a performance as also this very kind person when he's not being taken over by the nun was good. Like he's one of those performances that I actually did think was 
a better part of it. Um, and sadly, um, the, the teacher lady, the girl's mom, she was a good performance. She was just pointless <laughs> kind of like storm Reed. Those are the other two performances that I liked and they were just kind of pointless characters. But the fact that they brought a different, like at least level of acting performance to this is kind of upsetting, but also I'm just being honest about it. I'm like, you know what? You weren't in this much and you didn't matter, but you were better than most other people in this movie. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's just, it, it was just, it was interesting. I don't know. But like, again, it's like, yeah, they, they are, they are the better things about this movie, but there's still nothing about the movie that makes it worth anything. And like, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like the, the, the whole idea of also like, uh, sister Irene just being on this like travel mission with this new um, nun that came with her somehow was it just felt very weird and forced and like I just feel like that's I don't know like what were they trying to do with that and also is that something that they would have even allowed to happen <laughs> like like yes we think that you're the one who can stop this because you have stopped the nun before and then they just let her kind of travel and do her own thing without any like I don't know I just feel like that's not something that would have been realistic not that anything in this movie is but like they they really tried to make that something where it's like we have this one story of the people that are within the school and then you have this other story with Irene trying to get to the people in the school and just like I don't know I feel like they they really tried to make that an awesome element. Like, yeah, she's going to travel around and she's going to find what's going on, you know, kind of like, I guess maybe similar to what, you know, uh, the Warrens in the movie were, were doing where they're just like traveling around to places trying to help them or whatever. Like, I don't know if it's trying to kind of represent that or emulate that as well with this character, with this nun character, but it just didn't work. Like, I don't know. And, and maybe that's why I feel like sister Irene was so disconnected for me as a character, because all she's really doing is running around, like just trying to find where like the Maurice or not even Maurice, like she's just trying to find where this thing is and storm Reed just coming along just because no actual reason. Also, she's not even somebody that like, she seemed like she was a little bit unsure in her own faith with the whole thing. And she was kind of forced to be in that position that she was in as a, a sister in this convent. And so I'm like, I mean, I guess maybe just as somebody who could like help you search and stuff like that. But as somebody, if you're like trying to, you know, get rid of a possession of some sort, her being a little bit shaky and what she actually believes wasn't going to help you actually get rid of this demon and expel this demon <laughs> so i feel like i don't know what the point of making her that character was because like it was compelling to be like hey i'm a nun and i'm a sister in this convent because i was forced to be more so than i want to be here that's a compelling story but they didn't do anything with that because it meant nothing in the end and it's almost like that wasn't even a backstory for her by the end of this movie you know and and also the story with um 
who was it? The the older lady, the the lady that was you know killed in the in the, the school. headmistress. Yeah, the headmistress. The story about her was it her son who died in the yeah yeah son. Listen, I'd watch a movie about that story. Sound like a more interesting story of what happened to him that than whatever they gave us in this movie. So if you want to do a side story or whatever, that that seems like it would have been more compelling. And they had elements in it that were like, oh, this is creepy. Maybe they're going to use this more. They use it for one scene and then nothing else. And that was kind of wasted because you feel like for like this little bit of time, they're building that up to be something. Right. And then they just do one scene with it and they're done basically. And so I just feel like that was a waste as well. And it was honestly one of the more interesting parts of the movie was like, Oh, she's seeing her, her son who's dead. And like, that's how the nun is kind of luring her in. Like they could have done so much more with that. And that would have been really kind of creepy and cool to see, but they just kind of, it was so short lived that you don't care. <laughs> like that could have been a story you cared about, you know? So I don't know. It just, it just felt very off and like very like a movie that was trying so hard to, to just be um, like scary. Like they, they were trying so hard to be like, okay, here's a moment where we could do a scare. Here's a moment where we can do shadow lurking of the nun or whatever. And I feel like it was based off of that. Like they're like, let's make a movie where there's all these like scary elements to it, but not actually making it into anything. And then because they tried so hard to focus on that, that fell flat because they, they were so like, yeah, let's put all the creepy moments in the preview of this movie so that you're not scared by anything that happens. Like, I just don't get it. But, but yeah, I think the thing that bugged me the most or one of the things that bugged me the most was just how inconsistent the timeline is of this story in this like universe because it doesn't make sense at all. And it's like they're erasing everything they built as far as who the nun is and where she fits in the story. And it, it doesn't make it better. It actually makes it worse. Like there's some movies where they'll say, okay, we're going to just retcon this and it's going to be better. And sometimes that works. <laughs> like thinking of like the Halloween 2018 you know, they kind of retconned all the stuff that happened in between and it made it better, you know, but you do it with this movie and you're taking away any of the interesting elements of what they even did with the nun in the first place. So I don't know. That's just my two cents and just my confusion with the whole story. And like, they want you to care about this backstory of St. Lucy, but they don't really give you enough to go on to where it matters in the end. And they just, it's, it's like they just wanted to have a tie, but the way they tell the story is so not cohesive that you either forget about that until the end, or you just don't care by the end of, of what's going on with that. You're like, oh, of course they're going to tie this in somehow. How are they going to do it? And why are they going to do it? And neither of those like made the movie better in any sort of way. So I don't know. I just, there's so many, so many wrong turns that they took with this one. Justin, do you want to go next or do you want me to enlighten some things 
from this movie that I just read that we've talked about. I can wait till after you if you want to go first. It's up to you. You go. Yeah, I want let me hear what you have to say. Maybe it'll maybe it'll make me appreciate something I saw. So apparently one of the things that the power of St. Lucy's eyes do is possibly allow for temporal visions, like div, uh, visions that take place through time. Because one of the things that when Sophie has them, just has them on her, she opens a door and it shows you a scene from The Conjuring 2. Where like you look down the hallway and it's Lorraine and the daughter are there type of thing and Irene comes and shuts the door. So it, it that is kind of implying some of the things that her eyes can do when it comes to stuff like that, that maybe, you know, uh, Lorraine wants, or the Valak wants those eyes because that allow it to do that. Kind of like how Valak in Maurice gave uh, Lorraine a vision of Ed dying and stuff like that. Uh, so there's some implications with that. Um, maybe that's some of the stuff that like Valak uses as to why Valak's not actually dead in this is because Valak did have the eyes for a little bit that it allowed it to maybe transverse itself to possess Maurice again later. Like maybe at a future time repossesses Maurice, that type of situation. Uh, so there are some of those aspects with things. Okay. Well, if they had bothered to try to explain that in some sort of coherent way. Well, well, with that, so I brought up the fact that the mid-credits scene is kind of like it's from the third Conjuring movie. It's not from the third Conjuring movie directly. It's from a cut scene from the third Conjuring movie. That's why it looks like the third Conjuring movie. It's cut from that movie because the director did both of these, which also makes a ton of sense. Um, so that's that. But also, supposedly speaking, there is going to be a Conjuring 4 called The Conjuring The Last Rites. And one of the big theories is, is that Valak slash the nun will be returning as the main bad guy in that movie. Uh, and that's what that was hinting at. As far as a mid credit scene that, ooh, we're not done with Valak and the Warrens. Because, you know, you need to see more of that bullshit, apparently. You have not had enough of it. So that's what I was able to learn over this little bit. Uh, All right, Justin, what you got? All right, not done with the nun, huh? When it comes to the conjuring. So, yeah, I think that a lot of that stuff that y'all said made a lot of sense to me because... Yeah, my confusion just was, what exactly would this do? They just kept saying it'll make Valak more powerful. But like you were kind of describing there, a nice explanation of what the eyes actually did. Like, the only thing kind of clue it's somewhat sad is, you know, a, a portal open to hell and this demon escaped. Is the, you know, is the demon trying to get back to hell? Is the demon trying to enhance something 
once it gets to hell is the demon trying to, you, you know, I mean, it, it's all a villain is always better when they seem to have a plan when. And, and, and even in this, they tried to give the villain one. They said that the nun was looking for the eyes, but all these jump scares and all these things happened and didn't appear to be anything about looking for anything. I mean, if you can possess people and, and you could accost more than one person and you can be all these different places at once, why aren't you possessing multiple bodies and just having everybody looking for this shit? You know, if, if you're on a treasure hunt and you really need to find this, how come there weren't all these fun multiple instances where random people or random kids are digging and shit or looking for shit? And we're like trying to figure out why are these people showing up in these strange places? And sometimes it's Maurice, but sometimes it's, you know, that might have been kind of cool to find out that, oh, you know, Valak is none and all these people and trying to look for this shit, but couldn't find it until, you know, Sister Irene got there and uh, cracked the code or whatnot. So I don't know, man. I just feel like there were better ways to tell this story that probably would have been more fun or more interesting if there was a bit of a mystery of why or or even if you just isolated that to Maurice, like you guys were saying, and Maurice was walking around randomly, seemingly looking for something. But we just didn't know what. And like there would just be these times or if we could hear him dealing with the voice yep. inside of his head and, you know, having these urges or maybe some days he would fight it and nothing would happen. But maybe other days he couldn't fight it. So now he's out looking for eyes and has no clue of it. You know, um, I don't know. Th there were just some things we could have done to probably better tell this story. But instead they tried to do this thing where they wanted us to care about Maurice and the, the, the little girl and the mom. And it almost seemed like, you know, they, they both liked him. So it seemed like maybe this is a possible family for him. You know, I, I, I mean that, that seemed to be a big care for this movie, but that was just strange too, though, because it just seemed like he would he would only get possessed whenever it was convenient, like that they waited all the way to the end where they had this one inconvenient moment where he was dancing uh, with the with the daughter and the mom. And then it happened. But, man, that shit should have been happening a lot. Like. I don't know, it was just weird that everybody that I mean, by this time and by the time, you know, Valak was looking for this thing. Everybody should have thought Maurice was weird. Everybody should have been treating him like that weirdo that comes around and is winding up in different places and stuff. And, you know, I don't know. I just feel like the vibe of him would have been a lot different. I don't know if there would have been this mom and daughter like, you know, looking to bring him into the fold and stuff. I just think he would have been weird walking around cackling and pop locking and <laughs> looking for shit. I don't know. I just feel like they would have been like, this dude is hella weird, you know? Like, I don't know. I just think that that was a missed opportunity.
then I agree with you, Heather, about the stuff with Deborah, the nun coming along for the adventure to be the Robin to the Irene Batman. That was so like you, that was just so forced and just felt so contrived. Like she's there. She's like, you need somebody to take care of you. Like, why would I, why would the Irene from the first movie even agree to take this young, inexperienced nun who you find, who she just found out really was forced to come there? Didn't really want to be there, was forced to be there by her parents, didn't really have like a faith, uh, the faith that she needed because that was a conversation they talked about. Why would you want to put this young nun in danger? Why would you want to put her in danger after you saw hella nuns die in the in the first film and all of those people that got sacrificed and one and 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 it got and one nun had to hang herself just to pre- be prevented from being possessed and all of this stuff. You knew about all of this stuff in the first movie. You just mm-hmm. think that she would have just emphatically said no. Like yeah. It wouldn't have been like, why are you here? Take care of you. You shouldn't be here, but I really want to. Oh, okay. Like she didn't fight her at all. And just so the movie could happen. But I just don't feel like the character would have done that. I mean, they had moved away from each other. She had changed her identity and came and they had come up with this story about what had happened to her to hide the truth from people. Like that's how much. They didn't want people to know about this incident. And then you just let somebody come along like that. Like, that made absolutely no sense to me. And it was just in here so that we could have that other character in here. And like you said, even still, that Deborah character. So, I mean, I guess the arc was her having faith, but still... It really didn't feel like that because the only reason why she bought in was because she saw all this shit. I don't know how that was a test of faith, like when all this shit's happening. So, of course, you're going to believe it. Like, I don't know what the test of faith is other than the faith that we'll get out of this situation, like the faith that we can beat. Yeah. Like you saying that, it it basically, it just feels like nothing was earned. Like none of the things that happen was earned here. It was just like, it was one thing and then it was another throughout this whole movie with everything. Nothing was earned. Nothing was built up to mean anything. Like the relationships and the responses to things, nothing felt earned. Yeah. Can can we also mention that this is like the most monotoned movie ever? Like pacing wise, thematically, just everything about it is just monotonal. Like this is the slowest movie that's ever been made. And it's just because there is not a single bit of like, like you said, uh, Heather, uh, tension. There's no tension. There's no, you know, there's no lightheartedness. There's nothing to like ebb and flow your emotions whatsoever to create tension, to ease tension, to pace it properly. This movie is just like, you just go, go. And it goes at just five miles an hour for nine days. 
Yeah. It's almost like, it was like they said, okay, we've got a collection of scary scenes like that are in other movies that build tension. But this is like somebody not understanding that it's how those scenes are constructed together. It's how the story is told that ultimately makes the scene a suspenseful scene. Like you can't just say, okay, in this other movie that worked, this character was walking down a dark hallway or the first conjuring they're walking down a dark hallway or they're in a, you know, a, a, a dimly lit part of the house and, person walks up and we do stuff with ghosts and stuff or they hear noises and stuff and man there's all this tension so if we just take that and do it in this and have said character walking down dark hallway and then a noise happens or said or or this character is and and how many times did we do that how many times was the camera behind somebody walking somewhere dark I mean, I, I I could I was starting to count. I was or, like, all right, this is the fifteenth time that this is happening. Well, it was either that, or it would start in one corner of the room, and pan around to the other end of the room where the creepy thing was. Yes, yes. Or there's some dark corner or doorway or place that where we can't see, and there's a noise coming from it. Like this was so it 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 just only had a few tricks and it just kept doing the same ones. It was like the worst magic act. It was just like the worst magician show ever, where the motherfucker just keeps doing the same shit. Well, yeah, he has three it's tricks. Like, it's like a magician that has the like those magic rings, but no matter what they do, the trick always ends with magic rings. It's like they bring yeah. out a deck of cards and they're like, look at the deck of cards and the magic rings. <laughs> yeah, that's what it, this was like. It was like, look, we're we're outside and then the nun nuns, you know. Oh, look, we're down a dark hallway and then the nun nuns, you know. Oh, look at all these magazines. They're flipping, they're flipping, they're flipping. The nun nuns, you know, that's what it was. It well, just. I, I really like how you said it, though, that like with this movie, it's like, oh, we're just going to take these scenes that had tension in other movies, not realizing that tension in movies comes from the scenes before that. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's what happens yeah. in between. It's what is in between those scenes. It's not those scenes itself. Like, I fe- this felt like such an amateur. That This is like when you're trying to teach another wrestler who hasn't wrestled long and they're like, Oh man, I just want to do all the cool moves. And you got to explain to them. Nah, son, it's what you do in between the moves, man, that really counts. That's where the story is. That's where the substance is. You tell that story. Then when you do the move, it matters. This shit is the same way. Like that was a great point, Sterling. It's the same shit. Well, and it's, it's also what gets lost on so many horror movies when it comes to tension and, and, and fear and all these things, you have to have moments of levity. You have to have moments with no tension intentionally, because what does that do? The audience lets their guard down because then you can bring tension back. Like 
That's the, the, the movies with the most tension are the ones that make you forget to be tense so they can make you tense again because being tense the whole time you get numb to it or having no tension the whole time. You're just numb to the whole thing. It's when you can let your guard down and re get the tension. That's where you succeed. That's when people go, Oh, that was a tense movie. If you look at something like the descent, they'll be doing shit and it's kind of creepy and it's kind of scary, but then they'll do something and everybody laughs. Everybody's like, Oh yeah. You remember this? Oh, haha. This is just like that time. And you know, this other place, like you do those types of things to relieve the tension. So when you bring it back, it counts again. You, you, you stop your audience from just becoming numb to everything. And this movie yeah. didn't even try to do that. It, it like, doesn't. And it's just so sad. Like, because like, like you're saying, like all these other horror movies that work have examples of what you just said. The others has that where it eases the tension, makes you forget. Like, I mean, talk to me had it, you know, where we're having this drug party, boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden we are hit with just this very gory, ultra violent, like horrible thing that happens in the midst of what seemed like for the most part, we were having a good time and we were just, you know, interacting with people and, you know, your guards down a little bit and then it just, it thuds you over the head with it. And you're like, oh shit. Like there are countless examples of good horror movies getting it right. Well, and it's even on top of then you add in elements of sadness in those, especially in the others and talk to me, you add elements of sadness. So instead of levity, they do sadness, but it still does the same thing. It brings you to a different emotion other than fear or tension. Just anything else to do that. And so like talk to me, does it with the whole, like, you know, like they're, they're sad about the little boy. They're sad about the mom. They're sad about these things. And so that just makes you feel something different than fear. So they can bring back fear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like that's sort of, and just because I recently rewatched this, but um, the sixth sense, I think is good at doing that too, to be honest. Like it has those moments where it's like the family, the family drama or the family sadness of dealing with what's going on. And then you're, you don't realize it's supposed to be a scary type of movie a little bit until later, or even like at, even at the beginning of that movie, when, you know, Bruce Wilson's wife's having a good time, you know, they're just celebrating something. And then suddenly someone's broken into their house and like, it's tense because you don't know what to expect because it just starts, you know, like stuff like that. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's, but also in the sixth sense, you have the scenes where Tony Collette and Haley Joel Osment are like just being a normal mother and son. Yep. They're laughing, exactly. they're giggling, they're doing shit. And then they're all living sudden, life. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, every drawer in the house is open. And exactly. So it, it, it brings you out of it for a second. Because it's like, oh, look, happy family. Fuckedness. <laughs> a little boy's yeah. trying to go to the bathroom and suddenly ghosts. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, and it's maybe scene. not as well as like the sixth sense, but even the first conjuring did that but how do we get so far away from just copying what works like oh, the tension that's of that the, clap scene are you kidding me that yeah, was super like, tense when i first watched that yeah like but that's why the first conjuring that's why this all this shit caught the way that it did 
because, and that's what people say about the first Conjuring movie. It took, all it did was just took a bunch of old techniques that are tried and true techniques, and they just sort of did them their way with this family and this house and everything like that. And that is what they did. A lot of that movie is just the family interacting with each other and talking and then just at these little weird things here and there, here and there, here and there until the movie was ready to really be a haunted house and really be scary and really be about what was happening. But how did we get so far away from that to this shit where you're just using none of the shit that made you successful in the first place? I know why, because James Wan is great at starting shit, but then he lets other people take it over. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Because as much as as I'm against the Conjuring movies, let's break down the scene you just talked about in the first one, the whole clap scene, right? And why it's so effective with tension. Because that creepy shit happens in the middle of a children's game. Children are having fun. Mom's joining in the game. It's just family fun. Go shit. That's why that scene's effective. You know, where was that in this movie? They were trying to do that with the whole creepy game with the goat's eye, but that's a creepy game. Like that's not a fun kids game. The whole point of that game is to scare the shit out of that kid. You know, so that's not a fun kids game. That's bullying. That's, you know, meant to scare the kid. So it doesn't do that. Whereas, like I said, in the first one, it's happy kids game. It's fun. The fam, the mom's joining in. It's all those things. That's where the tension comes from when the ghost shit happens in those scenes. Like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's night and day. I hate the fucking conjuring movies, but to say that this is in the same universe as those movies really sucks for those movies. Cause they are infinitely better than this bullshit. Yeah, because your dislike for it isn't the movies themselves and it's how the they were made. It's the glorification of the Warren yeah. family. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't like Which those I, movies. Which I agree. I, agree I completely yeah. agree with you on it. Yeah. And that's why I can't enjoy those movies. Even for it just being a simple horror film, it's a glorification of some con artist assholes that preyed on people that were at their lowest and needed actual help and they're being preyed upon by vultures. And this is the glorification of them. So even when you get into these movies, which are still a step away, you would think I'd at least maybe be able to enjoy the ancillary movies of the Conjuring universe because those don't directly involve the Warrens. But then this is the bullshit we get in the rest of the Conjuring universe. It's the nun, the nun Two, the curse of La Llorona. Like it is some of the worst fucking garbage you can get as far as horror films go. It's cookie cutter bullshit that's trying to mimic the success of the Conjuring movies without actually doing any of the thought and work and care that those movies had. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man, see, that's why more people need to listen and look at this because we're just breaking down why horror movies like this suck. And a lot of times it's because they fail at this shit right here we're talking about. It's that, it, that this is what it fails at. And I hate to sound like an old person, but it's the fundamentals. Yeah. They're trying to be flashy. And they can't it, they're trying to slam dunk without being able to fucking dribble the ball. 
Yeah. Yep. Like exactly. Like you got to learn it, man. You got to learn your footwork. You got to learn how to dribble left and right. You got to learn how to go under the legs. You got to learn how to change lanes real fast. Got to learn how to switch directions. You got to learn all that first before you get to that yeah. dunk. It's like it's like trying to be yep. Steph Curry, but you can't do a follow through. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's the yeah. basics, and I hate that because I hate that argument. Oh, it's all about the basics. It's sometimes it is. Like sometimes the basics yeah. exist because when you're successful with the basics, it's beca- like whenever you use the basics and they're successful in a modern time, it's because you use the basics as a foundation to do the new shit you want to do. Like there's a reason why what we just talked about with tension works in movies. It has nothing to do with that was a technique that was derived and therefore movies do that and it just happens to work. No, that technique works because it taps into human psychology. It it has nothing to do with, oh, it worked in that one yep. movie, so therefore it works in other movies. No, it works in that movie and in other movies because it tapped into psychology and that's why you go back to it. Because if you're not yep. tapping into psychology, especially in horror movies, what the fuck are you doing? You can't scare people if you don't even understand the basic elements of what makes people scared. Yep. (laughs) So true. So true. That really is the gospel when it comes to any kind of horror movie like this. So, you know, I think about The Quiet Place, same kind of techniques, you know? Very true. The whole time they're being quiet and stuff like that, and we're wondering why we're not really sure and... We find out why, you know, but we but we do it in uh, some really great ways. Like it's it's just like it's it's crazy because you would think with all of these examples, you wouldn't get shit like this. Like right. it, it's it, it's mind boggling how something like this could have been written, and people agreed and said, "Yes, this will work." Like, and then people watch it and go, "This shit." works like in what i mean just having cool demon shit if that's all you want to see is some demon shit that actually you know looks fairly good aesthetically then say that but don't say it's a scary movie just say it's a cool demon shit movie don't lie about what it is yeah Yeah. i mean even even case in point two about the scene in this movie where they're you know maurice is dancing with the lady and whatever And then that picture on the wall shows up, right? The picture of the nun. And it's, it's like that whole thing where they're kind of trying to call back to the conjuring to where that happens. And there's that tense scene of, Oh, in the shadows and she's there and the picture comes to life and whatever. They're trying to redo this thing, but forgetting why that worked and was so creepy the first time they did it, you know? And it's like, you could even that scene alone tells you, they're just trying to recreate something that was done better before it <laughs> in the same universe, even, you know? But once again, that's the difference between James Wan and this guy. I mean, that's James a good point. Wan did yeah. that scene. The yeah, scene James Wan about. does what he does and it's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. There's some people I know that saw this movie and, you know, they'd even joked about like, typically you know like jump scares and all this other stuff kind of gets to them and like like all this other stuff 
But then they saw this movie and they were like, oh, it didn't even do any of that. It's kind of like what you were yeah, saying, Heather. Like me. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I, you know, I get jump scares out the ass and you didn't even do that. Like, and I'm not a hard audience for that at all. <laughs> like, you, you can't grasp jump scares. Your movie has so little, t- like, that is the bare minimum of tension needed in a horror movie to get a jump scare because there is not a single jump scare in the last 27 years that has ever actually surprised anybody. They don't surprise people. You know it's coming, but that's still part of why you jump. It's the anticipation. You know it's coming. Yep. Because there's always the visual. There's always the sound. There's always something that t- like cues you in that you're going to get a jump scare. And sometimes you'll still jump just because it's the it's you're building it. The movie doesn't even need to build it itself always. It just needs to get you to build it yourself. You build the anticipation and then it's that release of anticipation. Even if it's not, you're not actually scared. It's just the movie telling you release and you release. It's that this movie can't even do that. It can't even just do somebody walking across the screen and going, Oh, like they, that, and that is the (laughs) most basic jump scare that has ever existed. Steve walking across in front of the camera. Right. <laughs> and they can't even do that in this movie. And they want to yeah. act like this is a deep, integral part of lore. You're a fucking yeah. horror franchise and you can't scare people. Your movie's not deep and integral to shit. And I feel like they did rely on like, in this movie, it's like they forget that there's other ways to do like scary things than just the jump scare stuff. Like I think about even, I mean, say what you want about that movie, The Strangers. I I didn't mind that movie, but the silence that they use in that movie and in the background, you see these things happening. You see these people just kind of creeping in and she doesn't know because there's just silence all around. That alone, when there's just quietness everywhere, builds so much tension as well. And it's almost like this movie... I don't know. I think there were maybe moments they tried to do that, but they just relied way too much on like, let's just do loud things out of nowhere or, you know, stuff like that. And it just, well, it, yeah, it's, it's not even that it was out of nowhere. They telegraphed every one of them, but they, they didn't even give you enough time to get scared to be like, I said, and maybe that's give what you it is. Time yeah. To build your own tension. That scene when she's right. going to, that girl's going to crawl through the vent and she looks in one corner of the room and the, the camera does the smoothest pan just ever so smoothly to the other side of the room where ghost lady is standing. Like at no point was there tension in that because mm-hmm. it takes place over like five seconds. Yeah. You don't they give don't your give audience you enough, time. enough time. At least do this, the, the, the fucking stereotypical thing of starting in one corner of the room, you go to the other corner of the room, there's nothing. And then when you pan back, bam, something do that at least. Yeah. And I think that's what I mean by out of nowhere is like, yeah. And I think that's what I mean by like out of nowhere is they're, they're expecting you to feel scared out of nowhere (laughs) because yeah, they don't give you enough to feel like that's earned. Like, and, and, and the sad thing about this is, is it's lazy. Like that's the thing you don't even really feel like they genuinely tried. 
when you come out of this movie because it just feels like they just went in and shot some shit and went, hey, we got a movie for you. Like, you don't get that feeling of, like, at least they tried. Yeah. And, like, this, and you you just really don't. Like, you had all these characters, and none of these arcs seem to coincide. I mean, why don't we just have one theme, okay? Maybe your theme is faith. Let's have all of the characters having some sort of crisis of faith in a different way. Maybe Maurice, it knows, it kind of knows he's possessed, but he has no faith that he can overcome this. Maybe the, you know, that would coincide with Deborah not having some faith in the religion. Maybe um, Irene is lacking faith because she's like, I thought we got rid of this thing and now it's back. Can we possibly, you know, am I capable of this? Like, why can't we have, a theme that coincides with all the characters so that we can all kind of relate. And so that way, whether you're non-religious, religious, whatever, maybe the, the if faith is your theme, even if it's just faith in yourself, you know, that's something everybody can understand. Or like you told me that the nun feeds off the fear of other people. You you told me that the reason why the nun does these things and the way the nun is able to scare you is that it feeds off your fears and everything like that. So why did we turn into big nunisher at the, at the end of this? What about turn into a giant Rita Repulsa power ranger, make my monster grow at the end of this why is at what were the were all the characters on screen afraid of a big nine? Is that what everybody is afraid of? Like, why didn't we go back to the theme of fear and try to do something with that at the end? Like, it's just like you said, this was just the most bare bones, lazy, and just very misguided. It's like, like we said, it's a collection of things you see in other horror movies that are successful, but they didn't understand what made those things successful. Yes. In some movies, when the, when the monster or the demon gets big, it can be a good thing, but not in this shit. When this demon is supposed to be about playing tricks on your mind. Like you, you brought up a really good point, Justin of, Sister Irene in this movie, at no point does she think she's going to lose to the nun. Yeah. Like, why not? You thought you beat this nun. She killed the whole convent. And you you feel like you got out by the skin of your teeth. And she just goes into this like, nah, we're going to do it. At no point does she does it ever feel like she feels... Like, they're going to lose. You know, even when she's fucking lit on fire, she never gives the impression of, like, that waning confidence. And how much more interesting that would have made the movie if she showed up and sees Frenchie and just instantly knows it's, like, I think you that whole nun in the pictures thing, you save that for later in the movie or something because have her go there 
And yeah, like there's hints that it's phallic, but seeing Frenchie there be what fucks her psycho, like psychologically, like show up and go, we didn't do shit to stop phallic. All we did was put Valak in, like have that realization of, like I know that that was partially what they did, but they didn't really nail it, you know, because the whole time she's traveling there, it's all, hey, Valak, Valak's here, gonna go see Valak again. And then she, like, she finds out it's Frenchie before she even gets there. Like, no, have her get there and see Frenchie and get this sinking feeling that she's up against something that she didn't really put a dent in before. Yeah. And why wasn't she blaming herself more for what happened to Frenchie? Like you, that, that happened to you saving me. Like how come there wasn't some sort of crisis that that character was having because of this? Like, it just felt like if you did that, like you're saying, it would have just tied in better with everything, but this is just people with inferior skills and going, you know, what's the bare minimum that we can do to get the nun on the screen a second time and hopefully make some money. But it's like you said, man, nobody was trying. If, if three regular motherfuckers can sit here and come up with better ideas, then that's just a lack of effort. Like it's just a lack of effort. Yep. And weirdly so. enough, this guy has directed the three worst films in the Conjuring universe to me. I mean, outside of the the first Nun. But he directed The Curse of La Llorona, The Conjuring 3, and The Nun 2. This guy is hell-bent on destroying mm. that everything that James Wan has created. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you guys got any more thoughts about this movie? The only other thing I wanted to say is that game that they play with the little girl. Like at one point, the mom says something about it where she's like, oh, yeah, that's a game that they play and whatever. Why would her mom not have warned her about this game so that she wasn't thrown off by it when these girls like went there and tried to creep her out? (laughs) Like. (laughs) like you know what i mean like hey there's this weird game that they like to play to scare you just so you know don't give in to the trap and whatever like why would she not warn her of that if she knew that that was a game that they played like that was weird to me i don't know that's all that is weird like if the mom knew that that game exists why wouldn't she go look somebody's probably going to get you to do this it's it's the light don't be actually scared of this old fucking goat thing it's dumb yeah and and the fact that when, you know, she was locked in there and she gets out and she's like, what happened? What happened? And it's like, if you know, that's where they play the game, you probably know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, why you, like, if you know that's this? where the goat game happens, like, <laughs> right. if you know your daughter just got out of the goat room, don't be like, what happened in the goat room? Like, why are you, you already know? Out? Yeah. That is a really good point. Like, who does that? Like, and then, like you said, act surprised that her daughter was scared of the goat room. They might as well have just not had her even say the line that she knew about that game. If they were going to just play everything else out how they did. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, hardly anybody was really acting like a person. 
like that kid. Right. When um, Sister Irene walks up to him and goes, hey, you were the one that were there. You saw the demon, right? He was like, yeah, I hella saw that demon. And then just ran off. <laughs> right? <laughs> she was like, hey, little boy, did you see the demon? He and he saw. I fucking saw the demon. And she goes, oh. Goodbye. Yeah. I'm gonna go now. <laughs> also, ya. What, why were they trying to act like those kids were playing soccer? Like, they weren't at all. Like, they were just <laughs> chasing a ball. Yeah, they were just chasing this ball. <laughs> just running. Oh, yeah. And, and that. Yeah. The, um, and then there, there was the one little kid that did get um, killed, right? There was the one little kid that, like, by the priest that was, um, they, I want to say it was close to the beginning. There, they had the little hat on, you know, I don't know. There was a little kid no, and then they were the, chucked up against the. No, that was just, that was the little boy. Oh, was it? It didn't get, oh. he didn't die. Oh, Wait. okay. It looked like a different person to me. Yeah. And well, you're talking about when the priest burst into flames. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's the little I, boy that was playing soccer that she went to question. Mm, like, okay. Yeah, but also... Never mind. I thought it was a different kill kid. That little boy? Right. That was my question. Well, actually, my question was, yeah. why did nobody notice that that little boy was, was killed or not there anymore? But I guess it was the same boy, so never mind. Yeah, it was the same boy, but then they're like, oh, nope, mom won't let you talk to her. That kid's hella traumatized. And that kid's just like, nah, I saw some demon shit. My yeah. turn with the ball gave no fucks. I know. Traumatized. Where was it? Like, most well-adjusted kids ever in the 1950s. That was the weirdest scene ever to be. Like, I, all of it was awkward, and it was like, yeah, I saw it, and just ran the fuck off. And she was like, wait, and then lost those kids kicking a ball. She wouldn't have lost them. There was 27 of them. I know. Like, it was a gaggle of kids. Like, how do you lose a gaggle? Yeah. How did it get quiet all of a sudden? And that's bullshit in some of these movies, too, where they'll be somewhere and suddenly it'll get quiet when there's people across the door or, you know, like, like, yeah, when they locked her in the goat room, you know, and all of a sudden you hear the knocking and stuff, but and and if they lock her in and they're right on the other side of the door, giggling and yelling and stuff, and then suddenly it's quiet. And I understand it's quiet because we gotta hear what's going on over here. But I mean that's some bullshit though, you know? Like But yeah. And also why does it seem like the nun knows that the eyes are there, but never sends Maurice there? Like the nun knows where the, the, the eyes are. But Maurice never stepped foot in that room until like the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, why don't you just possess the kid and have the kid start looking like, like, I, I mean, so see, and this is what I mean by what was the nun doing? Like, I, I don't know. Why was the nun scaring people? Why, why? Why are you doing it? If it serves no purpose to help you, why aren't you trying to do this? Like, why <laughs> the did it help the nun? You want it. Why did it help the nun to kill the headmistress? Like, how did that actually benefit the nun's right. plan? Like, yeah. is, is it because it saw too much shit? Like, because it saw Maurice acting weird? It's like, oh, no, 
the headmistress is on to us. Let's kill her. Right. Yep. This fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> and really that that was and really the movie tried to justify her death because she was a little annoying to Maurice at the beginning, talking about, oh, I want you to come kill these bugs. So it was like, oh, she was a little she was a little rude to Maurice. So now she's gonna die for it. You know, it's like those simple ass, stupid ass horror movies where they go, look at this one bad trait this person has. Guess what? They're dying later. You know, it's just the lowest hanging fruit. But even like, then they all she really did was say, Hey, do your job. Yeah. That's it. That's all she was saying was do your job. But they're like, look, she's unlikable. We're going to kill her later. You could just, t- it was one of those. It really was. If you ask me, it's, it's that weird misogyny that if a woman tells a man what to do, she has to be annoying about it or like has to be like rude about it. Like, no, yeah. she also could be his boss and just told him to do his job. Like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. If I lived somewhere and also worked somewhere and there were fucking cockroaches everywhere. I'd get annoyed too. If I was paying a guy to fucking get rid of them. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I, th- I think that's fair. Especially if you've already told them, hey, kill this shit. And they're just there again. Come on. Yeah. They're like, haha, she's going to be annoying. And we'll have the nun nun the shit out of her. But really, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm not. This wasn't satisfying. Also, why whenever the girls put the cockroaches in the vent, the vent was like three inches. But then whenever they're crawling through it later, it's like nine feet long. (laughs) Yeah. When it's just through a wall, just a single wall, it should be like six inches. They also didn't follow up with what happened to the girl that was stabbed by the goat. Oh, they gave no fucks about her because she was the bad little girl. (laughs) Yeah. She was Did she die? Is she alive? Yeah, she Who bully. knows? Mm-hmm. Bully, you get stabbed. Good to go. Like, this movie didn't even try. I'm done with it. Do you guys have Same. any more thoughts? Nope. Done with the nut. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Uh, Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers Podcast. Twitter, Instagram and threads where we're uh, cinema underscore slayers at cinema slayers pod on TikTok at cinema slayers pod on YouTube. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Mm. Um, not this movie. Fair. I got nothing else on this one. <laughs> uh, give us a five star nice. rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos respectively. Just remember here at the Simulators Podcast, we are both pro slut and pro Sydney. And you are Knuff. And after last week's episode, I don't even need to say anything else. We had some we had some revelations about about certain things that we would typically talk about in this section. We had revelations about them. Uh you know. Okay, that's fair. Uh, how about this, Justin? Uh, we here at the Cinema Slurs Podcast love uh, naked tenders. Bam. I'll take it. I'll That'll take work. a win when I can get it. 
And as I always in these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I'm still jealous that Heather came up with Super Saiyan, and I didn't. But that was pretty. That was pretty tight. <laughs> that was pretty official. So I'm proud of that one. Yeah, thanks. I think that is what I'm. That's what I'm calling the big nun. Um, <laughs> from now on. Yes. I kept wanting to do something with Super Shredder, but it would always ended up being Super Nun in my head, and I was like, ah, that's a boring one. They could have called their Super uh, Super Turbo Nun HD Remix. <laughs> That's yep. a Street Fighter reference, Heather. A street Fighter ah. reference. Because <laughs> randomly out of nowhere, they released Super, what is it? Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix. Mm-hmm. Or the Super Nintendo. Okay. Oh, yeah, the Super Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo 64. The Nintendo 64. <laughs> That's a little oh, bit better than the Nintendo GameCube. Yeah. <laughs> Which if we get another one, that's what it's going to end up being. It's going to be like the Nintendo 3DS. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now that's going to be stuck in my head is just none buns. Yep, that's it. That That's what I wound up doing. I just went down this rabbit hole in my brain and was just laughing to myself the whole time. Because there was none to laugh at in the movie. I really liked the Army even, of None. I did like that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty solid. This fucking movie. I know. All right, I'm out.